Welcome back to the Lenders Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rosen, and today we have an amazing guest with Brian Flaherty. Brian is the CEO of Global Strategic, a company that helps businesses focus on their core competencies by providing effective and quality outsourcing solutions. Brian is also the president of the Denise Marie Flaherty Memorial Foundation. The Denise M. Flaherty Memorial Foundation started out as a grassroots effort that began in 2003 by Brian as a way to pay back and really pay forward the support the Flaherty's had received from MSKCC, not only by prolonging Denise's life, but also for giving a large amount of outstanding bills at the time of her passing. Our mission is to provide funds for cancer research to continue MSKCC's mission as a leading provider of cancer care and also to support families dealing with the huge financial burden of fighting this disease. Families just like the Flaherty's all those years ago, we believe no one should have to worry about the mortgage when they're in the fight of their lives. So another interesting thing about Brian is uh, and his company, they will be a sponsor at the American Lending Conference at the end of February in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Brian is also a great friend, an amazing family man, and one heck of a golfer. So be prepared to be moved, to be inspired, have a notebook and pen, and also maybe even some tissue. So without further ado, Mr. Brian Flaherty. Brian Flaherty, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Matt. How are you, buddy? Awesome, awesome. Thank you for joining us here on the My Lenders pleasure. Playbook podcast. You're officially our third guest on the on the show, so thank you. Appreciate that. All right. Well, hopefully yeah. it's third time's a charm and not three strikes you're out. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. I totally agree with you on that. Um, we got a chance to get to know each other um, a little bit more. I mean, we've seen each other at conferences and such, but... Um, and I had a really good conversation with you, and it was it was fantastic to get to know you, meet your family um, when you're out here in Hawaii. And I just yeah, wanted awesome. to, yeah, and you know, and it, it's one of those conversations that <clears throat> you realize that there's a there, there's a lot of gems within the conversation that you just kind of wish that other people could could hear. Not the whole darn thing, but maybe some some tidbits here and there. And I think um, you know you. I think I think this conversation that we're going to have is going to be really beneficial for so many people. So, yeah, I think honestly, if you could be a fly on the wall, the, the vibe even of that uh, meeting, I, it, it went from yeah talking about business to really just uh, how can we help each other be very successful. It's just so yeah. genuine. I really enjoyed it too. I liked meeting you on your turf. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, my my local Hawaiian turf out here. That, yeah, that's right, right. right. <laughs> that's uh, right. So tell us so. Outside of work, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your family. You know, what do you like to do when you're not um, when you're not working and doing all the great things that you're doing with um, Global Strategic? Yeah, the, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty simple guy. I like you know, I like uh, I like the golf. I like the scuba dive when I'm out there with the, in Hawaii. With my son, he's a marine science major. Yeah. Uh, my my boys, uh, my my two sons are you know, my God, they're the light of my life and. So uh, I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, with them and mentoring them and coaching them or whatever. Um, and then uh, my other big passion and, and big, uh, you know, spend of time is my foundation. So I started the foundation 20 years ago. We just celebrated our 20th anniversary um, in New Jersey. Uh, it's a cancer benefit that's in memory of my mom. So a lot of my time and energy and passion uh, and focus goes into philanthropic efforts and uh, specific to supporting families fighting cancer. So, you know, 
I'm a boring family man, I'm workaholic, uh, un- unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So, That's yeah. fantastic. <clears throat> that is so good. And I'll make sure that uh, – make sure you give me those links. I would love to have that. I'll put some of these links sure. in the show notes. Uh, yeah. for some of that th- those amazing uh things that you're doing that that's fantastic yeah um, we we've really turned it into a little bit of an industry thing too so in texas uh in particular so we're we now in uh going on six states with the foundation so um in almost every event we have somebody from uh from the industry participating and that that seems like it's starting to snowball a little bit too and people want to get behind it because it's just very grassroots you know it's all volunteer base and uh the global's a big supporter of it so you know they they back me a lot uh on the events and uh you know i much appreciate that so yeah that's great that's great well Thank you for for what you do in that um, with that yeah. foundation. Just just amazing. Um, Maybe. So, yeah. Tell me about um, how did you get started in in your? I I looked at your. I mean, I know who you are. And I was looking, I was reading your bio, and there's so much on you. There's so much history. But basically, what's what's your origin story as far as how did you get started in this journey with Global Strategic and all the, you know, w- with what you're doing currently. It's a great question. I love talking about it. Um, it's it's such an organic process and and sort of just, I guess, following the signs. Not too dissimilar to the journey and the growth of the foundation where it just started as a small golf outing in New Jersey. And now it's in, you know, six states. And it's uh, kind of an amazing, it's taken on a mind of its own. But, uh, you know, it was a medical technology out of school. Uh, got recruited to go from my very first job. I basically just hustled this job down. I got recruited away from that job to uh, ThinkCentric and it was a IT based, you know, offshore company. Um, Took that, started my own staffing firm. Uh, I got an opportunity thereafter to uh, be VP for another um, like IT offshore project management company. Sure. Learned that the world was flat. Uh, and then got, uh, as I was with that company, I'd sold a solution to my, um, one of the founding partners in global, but he's also a partner in a law firm. Um, and through our conversations and dealings, he, you know, he really liked me and, you know, said he had this, you know, this project with you know, this other company, which would be global strategic. Um, he was going to come get me. And that's really like the short, 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 short version of it. There was a lot more nuance to it. But uh, essentially, I was just very open and honest with uh, what with David Frankel. Um, yeah. And he uh, he said, you know, I'm going to come get you. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I didn't think too much of it. And, you know, sure enough, you know, a few months later, he came to me with, a, with an opportunity. I was a little bit of a jack of all trades, master of nothing. I had some med tech background. I had some uh, IT offshore project management background. I had some, you know, manufacturing background. And you had to, you know, work in different spaces and recruiting and what have you. Uh, and they were brought me on to diversify. They were just doing default legal back office work. And I was brought on as VP of sales. And uh, actually, it's a little bit of news apropos we're on uh, at this point. Uh, so just uh, last week, I got appointed uh, CEO. So I've uh, taken a, a pretty cool journey from a VP of sales uh, then I took over the company. We only had 29 total seats, uh, took over as COO, and uh, now we're almost 850 in uh, six locations globally, and I uh, just got appointed COO. So it's it's quite quite a journey. You know, I, I, I used to call my father-in-law the, uh, the American dream. He was a secretary, <laughs> fought the Korean War, secretary for his company, Sarah International, and he retired as president. 
And I was like, God, Cosmo, you're like the American dream. Right. And uh, right. I was just a sales guy. And, you know, not that, you know, not just the sales guy. I mean, sales guys are fantastic. It's not uh, an ad- admonishment to them. It's, uh, but I went from sales guy all the way to uh, to CEO uh, and, and helped this company grow. And I'm wildly passionate about it. So it's a pretty cool uh, story. I'm very excited about it. I, I took a seized an opportunity um, when we were really, really small to um, get a piece of the company and, and, you know, invest my life blood in it. And, uh, it's paying off. So it's exciting. That's so awesome. That just, to, just to hear the, the story, uh, and your passion exudes everywhere you go. And it's, <laughs> it's hard not to trans, not to, to capture that passion that you have. It's very transferable. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest, yeah. And, that, and I think that's one of the biggest traits of a really good professional salesperson is your passion yeah and it's really cool to see it I, i've seen it so many times where a a really good salesperson a sales guy or gal it, it, it does a great job and serves their industry so well and they climb the ranks um one of the best professions i know of out there is is in sales and so anyway, congratulations by the way that's fantastic thank you i feel blessed i mean you know i i had a unique journey as a salesperson because i think my passion and is is my is my really my cornerstone. It's sort of my my calling card, uh, and I got the opportunity to really make it my own. So you know, it's easy to sell what you believe in, sure. uh, but oftentimes, if you're a sales guy, you know, maybe you didn't have any any sort of hand in making the the product yours to sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, because I sort of built the model uh, a little bit with regards to our transparency reporting and our, you know, trying to be partners to our clients. And I don't know, it's, yeah, you know, I got to sell what I believe in because, you know, some part I, I helped build it. So um, it's, uh, yeah, man, I, I love it. I, I love what I do and mm-hmm. I, I love partnering with people and helping them grow. And so it's easy yeah. to be passionate about what you believe in. So that, that's what's fun. Absolutely. So tell, tell us about, you know who? What is Global Strategic? What, what is your company? Who are you like, and how do you help the private lending industry, the real estate industry? I know you you work amongst different sectors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the people that listen to us are entrepreneurs. They're real estate investors. They're in private lending. They're they're in all of that. And so, tell us about your business and how do you work with them? How how do you help them get from where they are and and where they need to be and you know, love to hear more about that. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, we're we're a custom business process solutions provider. So, um, you know, BPO, business process outsourcing or virtual assistance. These are buzzwords and industry terms that might resonate with clients. Essentially, what we do may be different. And even one of our taglines is we're beyond BPO, right? They, they'll often associate a call center with a BPO. Um, or if it's outsourcing, they'll associate it with like a virtual assistant. Um, and a virtual assistant by its nature is virtual. And oftentimes they're at home and you're managing that resource. And a call center is a call center. Uh, we're, we're kind of all of that and more in the in that custom concierge labor you know solution. So I'm, I'm a gap risk assessment analyst, mm-hmm. you know, operations guy with uh, with a little bit of uh, charm and charisma. So I, you know, I, I can parlay it to some sales. And essentially, what I do is I look at companies and I go, "Where's your pain?" You know, where are you over, you know, utilizing uh, or underappreciating staff? Where are core competency individuals within the organization doing data entry or administrative type of functions? Um, And then we sort of zero in on those low hanging fruit items 
and begin to carve off work that you know makes you guys you know makes your clients more profitable, more productive, um, adds a second shift, makes them a little bit more yeah. you know, time value of money, um, and and everything in between. And so the big focus as well for us is business continuity, disaster recovery, where you know we're going to take on your back office, and you can be sure that. Our business is never going down. You know, uh, we have, you know, five locations. They're all, you know, 50% capacity so that they can spin up at any point. Um, and it's all designed around, you know, essentially offloading some burden, maybe maybe having small businesses operate like big businesses and big businesses just, you know, finding some additional efficiency and economies of scale. Um, so, you know, that nimbleness and that, that quick to market. So very different than a lot of, you know, competitors in the space. You'll see a lot of fly-by-nights and um, mm-hmm. different ODESs and outsourced accelerators. And those are really just brokers and they have their place. I mean, they're, you know, but you're, you're going to be managing that asset working from home, you know, on a maybe interrupted, uh, you know, internet uh, and maybe you know, rolling power outages or, you know, chickens in the background. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, our staff are uh, in a secure operations environment uh, with, you know, backup generators and, you know, again, all all, all designed with, you know, redundant bandwidth and, and security protocols in place to kind of be that peace of mind labor solution. Um, so it's a little bit more robust. It's fun. Yeah, that's fantastic. You're you you're asking a great question. Where's your pain? Yeah. And, I, and and I think that's really and I think people in our industry they're they're sometimes they don't know where the pain is. There's pain. Right. They just don't know. They're just working so hard, spinning their wheels on every in every direction. They they're just like I, I don't know where it hurts. And yeah. I think and I think that's you're really good at point pinpointing where those areas are then and helping them scale up with, with your services is fantastic. Honestly, I, if I, if I'm being honest, I built a lot of the targeting and the, and the solution around an idiot like myself, you know, like uh, entrepreneurs and type A personalities are amazing, right? They're, they're sort of the lifeblood of America, you know, and maybe one of the most marginalized uh, groups is the, you know, the small business owner in America. Mm. Um, but the, they're the worst offenders of, you know, working hard and not necessarily smart. And so, you know, wrangling away, then they have the passion too, right? They, this sure. is their baby too. And, you know, you want to wrangle away certain things from them so they can focus on that core and continue to grow the business. At some point, you only have so much bandwidth. Um, and so wherever you can find those, those economies and that, you know, that new supply of bandwidth by offloading some things that maybe, you know, are, uh, I don't want to use the word below your pay grade, but, you know, sure. certainly not optimal usage of your time, uh, you know, that's, that's essential to your business growth. So, but I love those conversations. So I, you know, and inevitably I'll get these, you know, their pain is, is definitely unique to them in so much that they believe that they're alone with that pain. Uh, but what they don't realize is I've been through this conversation with, you know, 500 other entrepreneurs who have wrangled away sure. parts of the work. And I get to tell that story and that, that builds that trust where like, hey, I've I've been down this road. I know this seems unique to you, but it's not that unique to your type of personality. Um, and that that brings some peace of mind. Right. Yeah, that's, that's so good. It's just like my my little example with this podcast, for example, is it's it's been so it's just that you would think like oh, you just interview people and there it is and you just upload it but you know what my gosh i realized how much time and sweat i'm putting into this thing oh yeah and and i'm thinking to myself how 
where's my pain? And I realize my pain is the little things. Interviewing people like yourself, this is this is like I love doing I could do this all day long. But it's it's oh, absolutely yeah. <laughs> right. It's downloading the the MP three, it's it's uploading this and doing that and editing here and there and everything. And I'm learning it. That's the meetings, chasing chasing people who miss their uh <laughs> their calendar. <laughs> But that, but that's more on me. That's again. I'm, I'm looking at myself, and I'm like, I should have figured out how to do a, a the meeting calendar invites yeah. better. All these little things that yeah. that really in the it's in the details, right? So Absolutely. an example, I guess, it would be like, hey, if I had somebody to 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 I could work with, that would certainly help me and benefit. And and that's just a small example. I can I can I visualize private lenders in a way that they want to scale, they want to grow, they want to have more, be more, especially with the new year coming up and and they have a hard time letting go of their little yeah. thing they've got and they got to learn how to trust and delegate and outsource and I think I think what you have really is is a game changer for so many people in the in the industry. Well, yeah, I mean, you touched on it, right? And and it's and it's good to take, you know, these little anecdotes and and what is personal to you, right? What you're doing right now is FaceTime and it, you know, we're going to be on this call for a half an hour or, you know, 45 minutes or whatever. Yeah. What if you what if you could just do these all day long, right? And then you're putting oh, yeah. out content and you're meeting with, you know, C-level people at the, at the height of COVID. All I did was call C-level people and and just talk to them. I, I really truly did it like that, and I can't tell you what, what the benefit was. I would call up and go, "Hey, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? How are you handling things? So, you know, who's scared? What businesses are suffering? Um, you know, how are you navigating the work from home?" And the ideas that came out, all it was was sharing ideas. I wasn't selling anything. I was truly, yeah. genuinely just touching people, um, and amazing stuff came from that. Right. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you could if you could figure out like this is where your value is, you're the face of the franchise, right? This is your baby, um, and everything you're doing that doesn't require this or that that you're not you know facetiming with your your target market, um, it, you have to sort of look at and and you know take some pause and say, is this the best usage of my time or can I offload this? Yeah, um, absolutely. That's, that's hard, man. You you got to but you got to do it if you want to yeah. grow. Absolutely. No, that's so true. So good. Oh my gosh, I I could talk about this for so long with you. Um, so let me ask you. So, what are the some of the okay? So uh, let's say I'm a private lender, right? Or a private lender is listening to this, and they get it. They understand conceptually this makes sense, but they're kind of like, eh, maybe later, or or they're just not ready for whatever reason. They know it will benefit them. So, what what are some of the negative consequences if if you know, somebody, let's just say somebody's really good in front of somebody, yet mm -hmm. they're bogged down with a bunch of minutiae and paperwork and, and, and all these documents and all this stuff is all over the place. Great in front of people, not so good with, with, with everything else, you know, but they're having a hard time letting go. I mean, what are some of the negative consequences you can see in, you know, let's just say as a, as a, perhaps a private lender? Uh, to not using outsourcing or to using it? Uh, I'm sorry, to not. Let's just say I say I'm opting out, not now. What What do you think would be a negative consequence 
for yeah i mean the the biggest thing is something you're gonna miss an opportunity right so whether you're whether it's an opportunity that came in through your website and you don't have uh you know a chat interface on your website and somebody was perusing your website and maybe looking at you and then you know you missed it um or there was an email sent and you were busy at a conference you know shaking hands and it was a it was a timely thing and they they needed to hear from you and there was three hours that went by or four hours went by or maybe a day went by and you didn't respond because you were busy closing other deals you know somebody could be monitoring your email and maybe escalating it and knowing that there's a bat phone you know you know a text message code like hey you got to get on this call <laughs> um yeah. So, yeah. you know it, there's there's a million ways some of them very simple some of them become even more complex um where if you're just if you're not taking advantage of delegating you're you're the subject matter expert as a private lender right you're you're the secret sauce you know you're what makes you special um and to your clients, especially people, people you know, work with who they trust and and who they want to work with. So the more you're not FaceTiming with your clients and behind the computer, you know, keying in data or whatever, um, it, it's almost a detriment to your to your growth and to your to your organization. So you're you're stagnated. So yeah. um, you know that that's the detriment. I mean, you, you're gonna you're gonna be fine, but you're gonna be limited on what you can. You know, manage at, at some point. You can only manage so much of a book of business unless you can figure out some economies of scale. Right, that's great. Okay, and I'm sure there's a lot more. And I know you just oh, touched yeah, on a couple of things. There's there's, there's an endless lot. amount. Yeah, <laughs> private lenders. You yeah. know, the problem is they're so dynamic too, right? So yeah. Yeah. because they're private, they're they're it's not cookie cutter. It's not the same over and over and over again. So you do you do have to be creative in in sort of your solution as well and and where you can find those uh those commonalities that are the same over and over again and that that requires a little bit of investment so you know find a partner that's willing to you know make a, a solution not to be me mm-hmm. you know, there are other people out there to do it you know collaborate with somebody um go to these events talk to other private lenders who are doing it successfully and, and i I think that's the other thing that uh, sure. they should be doing. I, I, I stress that at conference all the time. I speak, Matt, you know this, uh, and hopefully I'll be speaking at your your uh, your yep. first event. So I'm really you excited about your event. You. Yeah. And um, one of the things I always talk about is I say, listen, if you came to this conference, talk to other C-level people here. Like, you know, take advantage. No, don't just sell at these conferences. Don't just look for the sale. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talk to somebody else who's doing it um, and they, and share ideas. Uh, there's there's a lot of learning that can be done there that could bring a lot of value that goes beyond you know just a, a closing another deal. Abs- oh gosh, absolutely! Wow, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Yeah, it is. It's about education. It's about sharing your knowledge. It's not about. <clears throat> I mean, it is about sales, but I, I mean, but you know, people don't won't remember you for what you said. They'll remember you how you made them feel, and yeah. they'll remember you how you what what you learn what they learn from you not so much like features and advantages and benefits of your of your company i mean everyone talks about that it's education that's great i love what you just said i agree man i you know i think the it's true right to me sales happen when you're just being honest and you're and they're mm-hmm. organic. I basically say all the time, I'm not a salesperson. I, I I share with people what we do and and I learn about their uh their company and I I sort of will plant an idea of maybe have you looked at it like this. 
And then that light bulb goes on for them and they go, Jesus, that, that would be great. What if we did this? And then, and then of course it snowballs and they go, well, what about this? Can you do that? You know? And, and so it, it, it sort of organically grows. And if you plant enough of the information, you do enough of the education, the sales just sort of happen. Um, you, you do enough uh, C-level, you know, sharing of, of ideas, good things that are revenue generating will occur sort yep. of naturally as a byproduct. Yep, absolutely. So yeah. let me ask you, so as a newly appointed CEO, congratulations, by the way, uh, <laughs> what do you see, what are you fired up about right now? What's on the horizon for for your company? What, um, uh, you, know, you know, gosh, that's a great question. Um, I'm, I'm pretty fired up about everything. And, and you know, I, I think that because of the nature of what we do, the the customization of what we do, um, you know, it it just it, there's so many different branches that we can go into, and we're we're comfortable just taking a piece, right? Where the old outsourcing model of you know sending your whole department off to to India or China or whatever, um, I never was a fan of that model, and I think you know finding collaborative. Uh, partners where you're you're just sort of carving off a piece of it. We we eat our own cooking. I mean, I have a an outsource partner for my IT, um, and they're sort of our virtual CTO. They they the onus is on them to be best in in class and and stay in current events on on tech and cyber and all that kind of stuff. And and then I'm the the benefactor of that rather than having 15 people in my IT department, I have one virtual CTO. Um, so you know, understanding that. These are just tools in your in your tool chest um, and, and leveraging those. The sky is the limit for us. So we're getting to telemedicine, you know, technology adoption is is definitely concerning and scary and AI and everything. It, it only actually lends itself to us because ultimately, and I hate to say this and anybody listening from a tech company, I would love to get into the beat, but tech, uh, you know, it, it under delivers uh, <laughs> and it's a forever uh, investment. And so you need it. It's wonderful. It's, it's fantastic. But inevitably, there's a human element piece to it, um, you know, and we've seen it over and over and over again throughout different cycles. So I'm excited about, you know, the fact that you're still going to, if you spent all this money on tech and you still need a human element, then that human element more than likely is going to be a, a portion of it. You don't maybe want to pay a premium in, mm. you know, a, a high cost of living center like California or, you know, Chicago or New York. Um, and that lends itself to our, you know, labor solution. So I'm very excited about the future for global. I think we're, you know, we continue to invest in best in class, uh, yeah, different features and we're security focused and cyber security is a big problem right now. Um, yeah. so, you know, it's hard to say I'm excited about that, but the reality is that pain also lends itself to our solution because of our focus and our, you know, we're ISO certified and we're getting our PCI compliance and by the end of Q1 we'll be SOC 2 compliant. So, you know, we're making those investments to, you know, get out in front of these different things that are going to uh, make us continually valuable to our clients. So, um I don't know if that answered the question. I'm excited about a no, lot of that's things. Great. I have a lot of initiatives. I, I like to reinvest. Yeah. Um, and I like to stay out in, in front of things. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what are some of the? I guess another question here that uh, what are some of the challenges that that you faced that somebody could learn from? I mean, because as we grow, we're all we're faced with stuff. 
crap hits us sometimes and we have to deal mm-hmm. with it and we have to go around it above it beyond it learn from it and there's there's stuff that happens what are some of those challenges that you faced and how did you overcome it and not that we're not immune to it now i mean we're probably going through one right now right yeah um you know you, you have to you have to make sure that you have the right partners in your organization and i know that seems cliche maybe oversimplified but uh change is inevitable you know, yeah. the, the old adage, uh, some of them are, are wildly true. Uh, and the one that you know comes to mind all the time is if you're not changing your diet, right? And mm-hmm. so you have to be constantly looking at your business. You have to be constantly figuring out a way to, you know, stay relevant and, and get out ahead of things. Look at what's coming. Uh, so, you know, for me, we, you know, make sure that the people that you have around you are not impediments to progress. Uh, they're they're on board with the mission and the and the and they're uh, you know willing to adapt and and be nimble and change, and so of course over time we've had even within our own company people who did not embrace some of the things that were required and and um, fortunately you know we were able to pivot around those and then of course make the hard decisions and sometimes you have to make those hard calls um, at the onset of COVID in my own company. I was uh, I was called an alarmist uh, about you know the direction that I said we needed to take uh, in order to you know survive COVID and uh, fortunately we did do those moves and we did them in time and we rolled out a disaster recovery plan we had tested many many times that didn't and we didn't need it um, and we were 100% business continuity under a you know military lockdown in the Philippines it was quite aggressive the lockdown there and uh, to say that I'm proud of that would be weird, uh, you know, because it was such a tragic time. But, you know, obviously, I feel, you know, vindicated and, and some sense of pride in in what our company did. And so um, I would say, you know, some of the best lessons I learned were to be prepared and don't be afraid to be bold. Mm. Um, we stood up a new office, you know, at the height of COVID, we were building a, a, a building out a new office, when people were going to work from home, we were building, you know, brick and mortar. So, um, that was a bold move. I, I knew we would pendulum back. And so, you know, be bold. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, sure. that's you know, sometimes these challenges are are what define us and they define our, our path. And there, there's so much there that we can that we can learn from. Mm-hmm. COVID certainly provided ton, tons of challenges, but I love the bold moves that you're taking. Uh, that's that's just so strong. There's only two ways to look at those things, right? You look at them as something to be, you know, sad about, and you can, you know, lay in bed and suck your thumb and cry for your mama, or you can, yeah. uh, you know, dig deep and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and reinvest. And so, yeah. um, you know, I wasn't willing to lay down to COVID and. You know, you you have to learn from these things. You know, I, I do postmortems all the time, and I tell people, you know, the reason I do a postmortem is not to go back in history or or to admonish somebody for something they did wrong. It's to learn. Just sure. learn. Just use your history, and then take that history and, and learn from it. Um, it's one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned. Is you know, don't be afraid to examine what went wrong because it's how you can make sure it won't go wrong again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're you're never going to be perfect, but. What can you do to, you know, sort of learn from the mistakes that you made? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've coached wrestling for many years and, um, we and that's that what we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Wrestling, but I love and coaching you, and you're a track, you're a track star in, in your yeah. day. Right. And we, 
we have that commonality with sports and and that's what I noticed now as a coach. Well, I haven't coached in this past year, but the previous years at the local high school and um one of the biggest things that these kids need to learn is when you fail and you will, right? I mean, you're a, it's a one-on-one competition. You, you need to learn how to remove your emotion from this and extract what what did you learn from this loss? It's the hardest thing because when you win, uh, no one no one really dissects the match as much. You're, like, you're high fiving and everyone's That's fired it. up, and right. But when you lose, like what the heck happened? Oh, let's look yeah. at this, right? Um, and I noticed, and it takes a big person to look at their loss. Yeah. Oh, it's hard. Yeah. It's the worst thing to let's watch this video now. Um, and uh, this beating your, I took. Yeah, let's <laughs> reenact your your failure again in front of your yeah. family and friends. Yeah. Hey, it's it's life and those that do learn how to change and okay look i made a mistake let's figure this out together yeah with as a coach as an athlete as a let's figure this out that's yeah, sometimes the little things like well, all you did is you zigged when you should have zagged your arm mm-hmm. was in this position it should have been right here you know little things like that but and i think expectations you know social media to me has been a huge detriment to people's overall psyche um, you know, uh-huh. they, they these avatars and they these lives that are, you know, out there and they think that, you know, they're doing something wrong. You know, when I coached, I used to tell people I used to make baseball comparisons. If you go to the Hall of Fame, you know, you batted 300 for your career. That means you were successful 30 percent of the time. Yeah. 70 percent of the time you failed. Right. And so, right. you know, and that and that makes you best in class. <laughs> so, Amazing. Uh, you know, it's it's crazy to have the expectation that you're always going to succeed. And you and you know, or or that you can't take some even some pride away from a, from a failure. You know, you, you're judged by how you handle a failure, not necessarily by the fact that you never have failed. Who you know, except for Jesus, I don't know anybody who was perfect yet. So right, uh, right. You know, it, it's it's a reality that you're going to fail. I don't know why there's any shame in it. The shame is in not learning from it. The shame is in not learning from it. That's very true. Yeah. Um, a couple more questions and we'll wrap it up here. And I, by the way, thank you for your time so much. Uh, hey man, love this it. is a big question. So, I mean, <laughs> if you have an answer, if not, that's fine. What's the best advice or one of the best pieces of advice that you've had that's been given to you, whether it's in business or in life or, or, you know, something that you've, you've, you listened to and you kind of captured that and like made it your own. And, you know, you've applied it to your life. <clears throat> Boy, that's tough. Yeah. Personal life, best advice I ever got I was 19 years old. And my father-in-law was going through his investments and I was poor growing up and there was no investments. We were, you know, uh, living paycheck to paycheck and no, no such thing as a 401k retirement. And uh, I asked him as a young greenhorn, uh, you know, to tell me about the stock market and investments and what have you. And. I met my wife when I was 19 and she was 17. And this ended up being my father-in-law uh, that that got him. He sits me down and poured all the knowledge that he that I was willing to uh, to absorb into me. And he told me, pay yourself like a bill. Uh, pay yourself like a bill. Pay yourself like a bill. So he said, you know, you make $1,000 a month and your rent is, you know, 500 and your groceries are 100 and your electric is 50 and blah, 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 blah. Then, right. you know. You, get, you give yourself $100 for your retirement. If there's nothing left, then you don't have any parties. You don't go get you know out to the bar with your buddies. If you got a little left, then have fun with it. But that bill, that bill comes due every single month. 
And uh, so he said, pay yourself like a bill, basically betting on yourself wow. and hedging your bets. Um, and he talked about alternate streams of income, mm-hmm. you know, is, is the path to wealth. Um, so he said, you know, you can have a good job and you can make a good living, but if you want wealth, then you have to, you know, invest and have alternate streams of income. Um, so those were, you know, two things that I really took with me. Um, some of the best advice I got, you know, is actually something I gleaned. I, I, I just had this conversation with people in the Philippines as we were making promotions and making some changes. Some of the things I learned the best were ways how not to do things. <laughs> um, yes. yep. and I think. I think it's a, you know, it's a valuable lesson to pay attention, not only to people that you admire um, and listen to them, uh, but then maybe learn from people that you see who've done things, you know, you think as being the wrong way. Um, And and then don't emulate that. I was thinking it's the biggest thing when somebody's parent was, uh, you know, I don't know, abusive or whatever, and then you become an abuser. I was like, wait, you just had the perfect example of how not to be. How how do you fall um, you didn't like it, so why would you do it? Um, so, you know, one of the lessons that I've tried to impart to others is, you know, there's a lesson in everything, good, bad, or, or you know, indifferent. Um, you can learn something. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. Pay yourself like a bill. I will yeah. steal that from you, by the way. Uh, that's, make, that's, my father. that's Cosmo, God rest his soul. He, <laughs> he had a tremendous, tremendous influence so on good. my life. Uh, yeah. of, I'll be forever in his debt. That's so good. That's so good. So, um, last couple questions. What book or books have made a big impact on you? Do you have one or two that? that Gotta uh, be Atlas Shrugged. Uh, you know, uh, yes. <laughs> my absolute favorite. Who's John Galt? Uh, you know, I feel like we're we're kind of living in yeah, Atlas Shrugged right now with the uh, you know the silly you know rules from government and and stymieing growth and uh, you know anti dog eat dog policies. You you know you read this book and you're like. How ridiculous, you know, you, you would try to do these types of things. And then you look at what we've actually done in, in, in the government. So um, Atlas Shrugged was uh, life changing. I was underlining it and writing things in the caption. Uh, so yeah. definitely uh, one of my favorites. It's like War and Peace. But um, yeah, but that, that book definitely really resonated with me and, and helped uh, sort of formulate who I am. So, uh, mm-hmm. and then of course I love mother Teresa and read, you know, m- much of her works, not necessarily books, but uh, I always, use, I always quote mother Teresa, don't ever confuse kindness with weakness. So, um, you know, one of the things about the shrugged is this sort of a, you know, capitalistic, uh, approach to business and potentially even, you know, cutthroatish. Um, yep. but you know, then if you, if you sort of can be both, you know, where you can be a, a very, dynamic business person and be proud of what you built and not necessarily willing to just give it away to everybody. Uh, but be fair, uh, you know, like Mother Teresa, then you, then you've got the, the perfect combination. So that's kind of sort of how I've built my persona. <laughs> that's great. I'll make sure to read that book. It, well, it was in my, it was in my queue. <laughs> yeah. It was in my, my Amazon, um, reader queue, you know, thing that, I, that I use. And I just, I just haven't gotten around to reading it, but you're the second person in the last four months has said Atlas Shrugged, so yeah. I'll make sure to get on that. I like Nikki Haley's with all due respect too. Uh, yeah, you know, but that was uh, not necessarily a business uh, book, but I did, I do, I do appreciate, you know, conviction, um, and I think meritocracy, conviction, integrity, mm. uh, fiduciary responsibility, you know, moral obligation. I think a lot of times they don't get enough love. Uh, we seem to 
if it bleeds, it leads, you know, uh, kind of thing. And, you know, social media is only poured gasoline on that sort of methodology. Um, so for me, I like, uh, I like the more wholesome meritocracy, uh, type of, uh, yeah. influences. Yeah, definitely. Now you've mentioned social media now a couple of times as far as it being a little bit toxic, I think maybe. I might be putting yeah. it in your mouth. You, you know, I like LinkedIn. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. I'm a big fan yeah. of LinkedIn. I, I, I do believe it had, you know, great intentions. Um, it, it is toxic it, it, and, and potentially getting worse. Uh, and of course, what do you do? Right. Um, you, you can't censor it, which we tried to, right. <laughs> I said, Facebook, who yep. knows what they're doing. And of course, Elon, you know, what he's trying to do with Twitter, um, you know, it would be when you have a forum like LinkedIn, which I think has a, has a good history. You know what you see on LinkedIn? I'll give you how you do solve it. We used to police ourselves, right? You know, society would police you. If you if you stepped out of line to some degree, your peers, your contemporaries they, would say, like, hey, what are you doing? And so they call you out. out of LinkedIn. Absolutely. They call you out on it. You know, keep you honest. And so you'll see it on LinkedIn. If somebody tries to, you know, post a, you know, a fluffy picture of their their dog, or or they want to make some, you know, crazy you know, opinion driven, you know, political statement on LinkedIn, you know, people will call them out. Like, what is this Facebook? You know, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, this is a business forum. Um, and so I really love when I see that because mm-hmm. it's keeping the integrity of that platform, which I do believe has great value. And don't get me wrong, I use the I use Facebook and social media for my foundation. Um, and I'm, that's my effort to try to make it good. I get the word sure. out. It's a fantastic way to get the word out and, you know, show the families that we've helped and, and that type of thing. But here's the, here's the proof. I put out a picture of a eight year old girl w- with cancer who we just gave $15,000 for. So her parents could stay home with her by her bedside while she's going through leukemia. And that gets 15 likes and, you know, two reposts, you know, yeah. you put out, uh, you know, a kid falling down on a skateboard uh, in the backyard, and that'll get, you know, 5,000 likes and comments, right? So, yeah. um, you know, it's it, it, the proof is in the pudding right there with sort of my concerns about uh, <laughs> what uh, what sells on, on social media, but it's a powerful tool. It's got its place. Um, it's got its place, yeah. yeah. But I think a, a lot of times it could be, if you're not the right personality and you let it influence you in the wrong way, it can be toxic. Very toxic. I I completely agree. That's a whole nother topic. We got to do this again, by the way. We got to get on. We got to talk again about this because we there's a whole social media thing we could talk about. That sure. I'm just dying to go down this rabbit hole, but I'm telling myself not to. Um, yeah, I know. Let, <laughs> like, you know. Um, okay, so let's say somebody's interested in working with you. How can yeah. they go? They're like, okay, let you got me. Um, mm-hmm. I need help. How do they go about? What's their first, second, and you know, third step here? First step is to is I would say take a quick look at the organization, right? Um, there's a couple of really simple things that you can do, right? Number one is if you have an existing job open, right? That's a simple one. Maybe maybe that's a perfect place to start. Um, if you've got and that job opening is something you've had three times in a year. You know, hiring and training, you know, is is bleeding resources, right? So oftentimes, yeah. especially entrepreneurs, they might have making that taken that one big leap and brought in somebody to help take the burden off of them, and mm-hmm. then they left. 
and they got used to that person, but now that all falls back on them. Now they got to hire again and there's lost productivity and spend. So, you know, look at, look at a job opening. Uh, and then if you, if you don't have that, then look at areas where maybe you've got somebody who's pulling their hair out and they're core to your company and maybe you're burning them out. And what can you take off of their plate? That's another way to look at it. Um, and then other nice to have, what is missing from your business that you really should be doing, but you're too busy doing all the other things that are, are core to your business. Um, you know, for you just to talk about, you know, conferences, right? Surveys, you know, sending out mm. post surveys, sending out reminders, you know, sending out save the dates and, you know, content updates and whatever, mm. you know, those are things you have to constantly be doing. So maybe you're not getting all those in because you're you're spending you know, a lot of time FaceTiming and getting sponsors and doing all the important things for your business, you know, finding driving new content and making it you know, beneficial. Um, so take a good hard look at your business. Once you've done all that, it shouldn't take very long. I mean, honestly, this, you know, in the time I just said it, you could probably do that if you're if you're an entrepreneur or a C-level executive. Um, and then schedule a call and we'll just talk it out. Yeah, That's fantastic. And, and more than likely, I have a similar story of somebody who's been in the same boat you are. Um, and then I can sort of share that with you and give you that comfort level that I, I understand your pain and I'm not just making that up. Uh, and then we can sort of say how how this you know this is what worked for them. We could try that with you. Um, the coolest part about it is it's no risk. I mean, you, you know, you try it, you know, it doesn't work, then you know, it's no long term commitment. So, yeah, definitely sounds good. Oh, all right. Well, I know that you'll be at the American Lending Conference, and uh, by the way, yeah, thank you man. again. I'm really excited. Congratulations! <laughs> I'm, I'm proud thank of you. you. I, I know you. It was a big, you know, you know, leap of faith on your own part, and I, I love that. I love to get behind that kind of person. So yeah. I think I would be the first. I think I either either first or second sponsor. Um, I reached yeah. right out to what happened, yeah. and uh, I'm proud of you. I'm excited for you. Can't wait for the conference. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're definitely you're a founding sponsor. I think you're the uh, the third sponsor. Okay. Um, yeah, and so super appreciative for that. And so I know that you'll be at that conference, but where can people, where can people find you? Um, whether it's online or, or yes, your uh, website. That's a good question. You know, it's another thing. I, I am who I am. They, I guess, love it or don't. Uh, there's not much mystery to me. My cell phone number is 732-232-4341. It's the only one I have. And it's everywhere. Yeah. It's on my LinkedIn profile. It's on my Facebook page. Uh, it's on, uh, you know, the, the website, I'm maybe yeah. the most accessible person on earth. Um, and you know, I, I, we're big in the IMN, uh, conference circuit, uh, yeah. obviously, you know, on the Morgan side, MBA, um, you know, before you, you know, that we were on the, uh, MPLA, yeah. uh, we're big on the property management side. So NARPM and then obviously five-star, uh, so yeah, we're, we're, we're around. What I noticed about you, you are everywhere. So wherever <laughs> you go in business, you're going to see you or your your staff. So that's fortunately, that's I've gone. Sure. I've eaten my own cook and I've taken my own yeah. advice a long time. Uh, but I stood up some really great people to you know offload some of my burden. Um, I think you know getting out there and putting your face out there and, and being passionate about your product is is beneficial. And, and I can only do that if I have you know great teams. You know, sort of. Uh, man in the you know the the house so um it's uh I'm, I'm fortunate in that regard yeah absolutely well thank you so much brian for this for this for your time truly for the pleasure. gems yeah for the gems the nuggets of info that you just dropped on us um i'm going to 
post these up on the show notes. So links in the Atlas Shrug and everything we talked about is going to be there for people to to dive in on and and take a little bit more, take a take a look into what you're doing and and they can reach out to you. So I really appreciate the time and Absolutely. and uh, and you know we got to do this again. All right, so, we'll, we'll definitely do it. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks, appreciate, appreciate the opportunity. All right, thanks for your time. All right, brother. Be good. All right, bye.